It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is waiting for a table at a restaurant. Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party... Oh, there you are. This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. And Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, with locations in Darien and Burbank. Visit chuckscafe.com. Let's drop the puck. Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Here I Chicago! Welcome into a very special We Still Exist and We're Still Here edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago and with me as always is the one, the only, Jay Zawoski. Jay, I dragged my happy butt out of bed on a Sunday morning to talk hockey with these good people and there's barely anything to talk about. What gives, man? Why are you making me do this? <laughs> no, I know we're getting, and it's funny. I'm getting uh, people yelling at me like, "Where's the podcast? What exactly do you want us to talk about?" <laughs> we promised we do one once a week ish, and we're doing it today. So, well, when was the last time we did one? Last what? We did one last week. Yeah, I, know. I, I just don't remember one. what day. Uh, let me check. Let me check the podcast uh, files and see what it was. What Jay, while Jay's doing that, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to mention to you folks that even though we're having a little bit of fun at the expense of those who are being impatient. We do appreciate the fact that people want to hear what we have to say about God knows what. So we we do uh, appreciate you guys' listenership, and we just appreciate you in general. So we're, we're just having a little bit of fun here. We're getting to that point in the hockey offseason already where just not a lot going on in the NHL. We do have Blackhawks uh, prospect camp coming up this week. Definitely go out to uh, Johnny's West if you want to go uh, see some of the future Blackhawks in action. Blackhawks convention is this coming weekend, so we're to find stuff to talk about. Dang it, that's how it works. Yeah, because we don't have a choice. It, was our last one July fourth? That doesn't seem right. I feel like we've done one since then, but I could be wrong. I feel like we have. I feel like we have two, but yeah. What do I know? Oh wait, no, it is because we had recorded on july 3rd and then we couldn't use it so we had to re-record on july 4th uh, yes yeah that that was it and that was the sacrifice that we made for you people be grateful yeah come on jerks no anyway we do appreciate <laughs> you wanting us to do it so um yeah there, so there are a couple things to discuss let's start with um 
I guess the newsiest item of the week is that Eric Gustafson is back, re-signed. I don't know if it's a big surprise, um, but this sort of it leads me to thinking, like, and I don't know if I would think any differently had the signing not happened, but um, are they content with this D? Is this kind of what it's going to be? I, I really, it's July 16th. I know free agency was started two weeks ago, which isn't a big deal, but it feels like almost everyone of note is gone. Um, I'll get into a, something I heard yesterday um, in a little bit here, but I don't know. If this is the D, this is not a good team, man. I, I don't know. I, I, I've expected something else to happen, and I know the Hosa thing is holding things up a bit, but I thought there'd be a veteran in the fold a little bit at least, and uh, there's really been nothing, and it doesn't seem like anything's imminent either. Well, yeah, the problem is you go into the off season with an already weak D and then you trade away Nick Chalmerson and you have to lose Trevor Van Riemsdyk for basically nothing because of the expansion draft and all of a sudden your defense that wasn't all that great to begin with is like you said this is not a playoff caliber defense right now and I think that that's not a stretch to say that this is Probably the the team the roster looking at it right now. This is probably the weakest roster they have had since Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves came into the league as rookies. I I feel like that's not a stretch to say that. It's the reality of the NHL that they just don't have the salary cap room and the Marion Hosa thing isn't helping. But you look at the offense, it's like maybe if guys like step up like if you get like an Alex DeBrincat have a breakout season if Brandon Saad kind of rejuvenates Jonathan Taves if Patrick Sharp can catch lightning in a bottle and score 20-25 goals that can work this defense on the other hand yeah you've got Duncan Keith and yeah I think Connor Murphy has gotten kind of a bum rap from some people and I think that he could end up being fairly solid but once you get into Brent Seabrook, who you really, you have to say is on the downside of his career, it's just a matter of house. Yeah, that is, uh, that's kind of apropos that. What was that? That was my alarm clock, apparently. Wake yeah. up. Chelsea Dagger, man. That was hey. off-putting. It was very distorted and satanic sounding. Why do you think it wakes me up? Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Good plan by you. Yeah, um, but but you yeah you look at your Brent Seabrook, you're not really sure how steep the slope is on his decline, and then after that, just question mark after question mark. You really, really aren't a lot of answers on that blue line. It's really uh, kind of weird. The Blackhawks haven't addressed it at all, and like you said, what are they gonna do? There isn't really that. There really aren't that many people left on the market. Well, it's interesting you say that because. I got in a discussion this week with uh, Satchel Price of Second City Hockey and a couple other people. Um, I think the, it started all about Brian Campbell and if the Hawks would consider maybe bringing him back around camp or maybe once the host of thing aside, maybe there's like a wink-wink, nudge-nudge sort of agreement to make that happen. Um, and, and Satchel brought up the name of Cody Franson, uh, who played with Buffalo last year, had a strong course a year. Now, he's not a fast defender by any means but he's right-handed he's a positive coursey player pretty much wherever he goes whatever he does um and it might be a better fit for what the hawks need uh so i asked uh, one of my sources and said hey uh, what about this name just kind of curious like yeah um that might be a guy that gets a camp invite um should he not have a deal by then so i think what that tells me is the hawks are definitely interested in him but they probably feel like at this point they're not going to be able to sign him for what they'd like. If he makes it to September without a deal, the Hawks will invite him to camp, and that theoretically would mean he would sign a lesser deal than he would today or next week or something like that. And this is not unprecedented. You might remember in 2010, Brent Sopel, when the Hawks signed Brent Sopel, he was coming off a tryout deal with the Red Wings. The Red Wings brought him into camp without a contract played pretty well they thought about signing him but the Hawks jumped in and signed him first uh, and he was a contributor to a Stanley Cup so these sort of things happen where these veteran players that are not superstars but are good solid players um, 
as they move on in their career, they keep getting contracts, they keep getting raises, and they sort of price themselves out of the market just because the combination of age and price um, make it tougher to justify giving those guys that kind of money. We're not talking about, you know, um, Duncan Keith towards the end of his career. We're talking about more of like Brent Sobel is a great example of a guy who is very solid, uh, middle pairing defenseman, could hold his own definitely, um, but, you know, probably had accomplished too much to give him a cheap deal, but probably was at the stage in his career where he didn't justify a huge deal. So that's sort of how I see the Cody Frangen thing going. Now, would I be surprised if he signed with another team? No. Do I think that he could end up with the Hawks? Yes, but I wouldn't say, you know, start printing your jerseys now or, or don't get mad at Sam Bowman if it doesn't happen. I think it's just something they're considering. One of the names you're looking at in that sort of a fit of uh, – Okay, you know, we're looking for a veteran defenseman. This guy could, if he falls through the cracks here, uh, end up being cheap and useful for us. So just uh, just a name to keep an eye on. If they signed him today, would I be mad? No, I, I think Cody Franzen would be a really good fit. I just don't think the Hawks see it as a financial uh, thing they should pursue um, at this point. It could be, like I said, closer to camp. I think it can make a lot more sense because you could probably get 500 k to a million dollars less than he may expect to sign right now, if that makes sense. All I heard you say in the last few uh, moments here was, A, uh, Cody Franzen is going to sign with the Blackhawks, play here for a year, and then get traded to Atlanta. <laughs> and, B, B, I also heard you say that Cody Franzen is a really good possession player and that the Blackhawks, if they were to look at him, likely could get him on a cheaper deal coming up, going into training camp. And there, and there was a question that I had for you, and I – freely admit when I have not watched much of a player because I feel like it's a lot better than trying to like just toss out platitudes about how the guy works hard and he'd be a good locker room guy or whatever the heck else I haven't watched Cody Franz in a whole heck of a lot recently have you no I mean just basically when his team would be on or playing against the Blackhawks or on television in those rare nights where I'm at home locked and loaded on a hockey game that's not the Blackhawks um but my thoughts of him are positive. And as I've, as this name has come out, I've sort of looked into things here. And Satchel Price did a really good job breaking it down on secondcityhockey.com. He actually wrote it, uh, it looks like this morning or late yesterday. Um, last season with the Sabres, posted a 50.7% 5-on-5 Corsi, which was 5.2% higher than when he was on the bench. That's pretty good. Um, that is pretty good. Also posted 0.9 points and 4.5 shots on goal per 60 uh, as I'll a, take that too. As a comparison, Brent Seabrook was 0. .8 and 3.8 respectively. So, uh, and Franz is a guy who saw some power play time as well. So, uh, again, an established veteran player um, who I think the market is trying to is probably having trouble pricing at that at this mm-hmm. point, saying, okay, what is this guy really worth? And uh, if he makes it, maybe he'll be a Blackhawk. I think that'd be great. Um, but. I, I think that's that's not eminent. If if it gets to camp without a deal, uh, I think Cody France would be a fool to not accept the Hawks invite for a tryout there. I think uh, I think it was Sean Tierney uh, pointed out that on Twitter, like that he couldn't believe Cody Franzen is still a free agent. And if you've got guys kind of in the advanced stats community who are like, "Why is this guy not signed yet?" generally that might be a safe like kind of gamble if you want to give him the money and as we know the Blackhawks are allowed to exceed the salary cap by 10% during the offseason they only have to be cap compliant once the season starts I would maybe consider jumping the market just a little bit on him and maybe offering him 1.25 million instead of 1 million dollars I think I'd rather have Cody Franz in on that kind of a deal and gamble on with that kind of production and possession number behind it, then I would say giving a million dollars to Brian Campbell. I think you're right. And I think what we saw last year, Brian Campbell playing on his off side a lot last year, just sort of out of necessity. And um, I, I think you're right. It probably is a better fit, especially looking into what Satchel's written, looking into some of the numbers, by the way, uh, last season, I just cleared cap friendly cause I'm stupid. Uh, he made $3.325 million. That was his cap hit. So 1.2 seems pretty optimistic for me. Um, yeah. It'd be great, obviously. Uh, he's 29 years old right now. 
Um, so he's still got some good hockey left in him. Um, but I, I think 1.2 is probably a little bit unrealistic. I, but, of course, the closer you get to camp, the more real that becomes because he's got no deal. So that's the sort of guy you could say, sign me for a year. I'm going to bet on myself. Or say, give me a deal you know, sort of laden with incentives. And if I hit these marks, then I get more money. Uh, probably be a combination of both where the base salary would be like you said 1.2 1.7 somewhere in there with some decent incentives in there that can maybe even double the deal um, again though if it's a one-year deal with incentives and he hits them that's another whatever those bonuses are that would count on the cap for next year um, so those are things the Hawks have to consider but I'm sold the Hawks are going to get Cody Franzen and I'm going to order my Cody Franzen jersey from Triple Threat Sports the best place in the area to get your NHL jerseys lettered. But did you also know they're also the best place to go if your team needs jerseys? Whether you're an elite travel, high school, or college program that needs to outfit hundreds of kids, or if you're a beer and pizza league team with 12 players, Triple Threat can put you in pro-quality jerseys at pricing you can afford. Triple Threat Sports can work with you on every aspect of the job. Logo design, fitting, apparel for off-ice, you name it, and you don't have to be a hockey player to wear uniforms from Triple Threat then get uniforms and apparel for all sports, baseball, softball, football, lacrosse, and more. So for more info, call Chris at 708-478-6090. That's 708-478-6090. Or email him for more info at chris at triplethreadsports.com. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. When we come back, we will discuss the upcoming Blackhawks prospects camp and then look ahead and make our predictions for what's going to happen at the Blackhawks fan convention that also begins next weekend. Stick around. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay and I were uh, off air having a lovely discussion about the differences between being drunk and drinking. And because last night, uh, Jay and I both enjoyed adult beverages, not together, unfortunately, because Jay doesn't like hanging out with me outside of podcast uh, sanctioned events, but... That's right. We both ended up going out. <laughs> yep, we went out, had a good time last night. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of, I guess we should have called this the hangover edition of the Mad Out Chicago Hockey Podcast because, whew, it's been a bit of a rough morning, even though I didn't drink that much last night. You still, when you get to be my age, kids, oh, you start to feel it. Stop it. Your age. <laughs> what are you, like 30? ridiculous 32 ridiculous yeah i went out two nights in a row which is not normal for me um so yeah i'm uh, you know i'm feeling it a little bit we're doing okay though we're we're slogging through this i think it sounds yeah. good. um anyway prospects camp next week um very exciting exciting time of year and uh, i think you know sincerely i'm really looking forward to this because finally you're gonna have some important players you know competing for positions at camp and um you know the the names you expect will be there alex to um you know graham not all those guys that have been sort of a frederick olofsson all these guys that have sort of been on the horizon for years luke snuggeru darren radish who just signed um i'm excited to see uh who steps out who stands out and uh, i really expect the story of prospects camp to be how much better alex to is than everyone he's playing against yeah and that's, and that's ironically the uh, discussion that I had with the sports producer over at NBC. We were talking about who we were going to target and who everybody was going to target to talk to on Monday. And we all we pretty much agreed that this is going to be the Alex DeBrincat show where everyone's going to be paying attention to him. And rightfully so. He's like one of the most electrifying talents in the entire NHL. People really are talking about him across the league. It's kind of cool. Like, if you uh, follow a good uh, variety of folks on Twitter, you know that especially uh, Canadian folks, Correct. they love, love Alex DeBrincat. They have thrilled to his exploits as a member of, what, he plays for the Erie Otters, right? In the, uh, yeah. So, they have thrilled to his exploits as he has run roughshod over that league, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see him against some of the other uh, best prospects that the Blackhawks have to offer. And I think this is going to be his first opportunity to really make some noise on the big stage. And I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing what he can do. But to that point, I think that 
if you're going to this, and I, again, would encourage anybody who has the opportunity this week to go, I definitely would go out there because Prospect Camp's a lot of fun. It's kind of cool seeing all these guys in the same place, and it's the middle of summer. You're not thinking hockey, but let me assure you, when it's as hot as it's going to be outside this week, you're going to want to go inside that ice rink and check this out. It's a lot of fun, and... There will be guys like Luke Snuggerud and Graham Knott that you're going to want to check out because those are the guys that are going to be the sleepers to make this roster when September rolls around. And you'll already have that base of knowledge from seeing them. And that's a good feeling. That's always a good feeling when you kind of see a guy in an environment like this and you kind of get the jump on your friends. Yeah, that's always a that's always a really good feeling. Well, if you want to attend, um, they begin Monday this, this coming Monday tomorrow the seventeenth, uh, and run approximately from one p.m. to five p.m. Those will be drills and things like that. And then Friday around nine thirty a.m. they're going to hold a scrimmage. Um, that's all at Johnny's Ice House West on Madison Street. So go there, check it out. It's free. Um, no reason to worry about having to buy tickets or anything like that. And what's cool is. A lot of the Hawks brass is just sort of lingering around. Like Joel Quenville just kind of sits in the bench on the bleachers and watches the players with all the fans. They're roped off a little bit. But when once things are done, they're pretty accessible. So if you want to go check out Prospects Camp, it's a good time. And then we've got the fan convention coming up uh, this weekend where everyone always predicts a big signing will be announced and then it seems like it never happens. Can you believe it's already the 10th one? That's crazy. Yeah, I, uh, that the Hawks have mattered for 10 years. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. Have you, that, how much do you go every year? Uh, I have been to one as a fan, and I've been to, I think, two as a member of the media, and I'm going to be going to my third on Friday. Nice. I will be, are you going to the media social thing that they're doing? I am going to the media social thing. I will see you there, my friend. I'm going to. I will get to, I will get to whack you in the head with an NBC5 microphone. I'm doing stuff for the TV side on Friday. Well, that's exciting. I'll be doing some work for the show. Um, so meeting some people and getting some stuff done for the Spiegel and Parkin show. So it should be a good time. And maybe if me and you can find a moment alone with a player, we can grab a quick interview. But I know we're both on the clock for other stations, so... Yeah, that kind of complicates things a little bit, but we'll see. I'm not going to rule anything out. Yeah, well, it'll be fun. And I think it's funny, Cubs convention and Hawks convention, everyone's like, what's going to be the big news? There's usually not. I know Kerry Wood came out of that, uh, what year was that? His last year where he retired yeah. midseason and it was an awesome moment, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I don't recall anything else like big happening at the convention. Like, we've signed this guy. The, at least the Hawks have never done anything like that, right? Am I correct? Well, the Cubs last year sort of had a convention surprise. They uh, The Cubs signed Jake Arrieta to a pretty sizable one-year deal when the convention started. It was literally, I was standing in line at the hotel when I got the text like, oh, by the way, the Cubs signed Jake Arrieta to like a one-year deal worth, you know, umpteen bajillion dollars. Yeah. So, so, I mean, other than outside of something like that, no, I don't really, I don't really remember any big surprises. Well, I'm sure we're missing something, but it's, it feels like every year people expect it to happen and it doesn't. So I would not expect um, Brian Campbell or Cody Franzen or whatever it is to join the Hawks at the convention, but you never know. You never know. <laughs> John McDonough likes to pull crap like that all the time so uh marion hosa is officially on long-term injured reserve <sighs> blow off some confetti and streamers and stuff that'd be fun yeah um yeah I don't, I don't know i don't know i wonder if hosa will be there that'll be interesting i i don't have a list in front of me um he usually doesn't go does he i think he's been to a handful of them not every one of them by any means but i think he's been to a handful of them before yeah i know that like some of the guys from europe they tend to that they tend to be hit and miss when it comes to going. So, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question whether he'll be there or not. Maybe that'll be the surprise. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll come out like I don't know, red and nude because he can't wear hockey equipment. <laughs> they should really play it up. Yeah, like have him like come out like with his arms up, like oh, I'm so rashy. Yeah, uh, and then like, like and then have, like, like have a... them like try to hand him like his hockey gear, and he like hits him with his stick or something. They can have, like, a rub the cortisone on Marion game. Yeah. Where, like, he stands there 
you know, shirtless. We'll keep his pants on because it's a family event. Yeah. And you can just rub some cortisone on your hands and just rub it on Marion wherever you want, <laughs> you know? I would sign up for that. Yeah, I feel like that'd be like a hot new toy craze that would sweep America. A, a cortisone rubbed hosa. Yeah, let's do that. Instead of, tic- we'll like, instead of tickle me elbow. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like a special edition of those McFarlane, like those super accurate sports figures. Yes. You're like, oh, this Wayne Gretzky's got a white jersey on. This Marion host is shirtless and he's rashy. <laughs> and you can rub some lotion on him and the rash will go away. I think we've just invented something, my friend. Yeah, I think John Pen McDonough. Pending. John McDonough probably is listening to this podcast right now going, damn, those guys are even more devious than I am. Slamming his table, firing people for not thinking of it. <laughs> Take that, McDonough. And Jay Blunk, of course. Well, you, you can't you, mention John McDonough yeah. without mentioning Jay Blunk. You can't Forgive mention us. one without the other. It's kind of a package deal. And obviously right. we're not... <laughs> disclaimer. We're not making light of what Marion Host is going through. But when you get to July, you got to say something. I am making light of it. Fine. Go it's, ahead. It's horrible, and it's my only way of coping with my favorite player no longer being a Blackhawk. That's a so good point. I'm doing it for my benefit, not to rip him, in fairness. I can go with that, yeah. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna adopt your stance. That's a really good one. All right, well, after you rub some lotion on Marion Hosa, you're going to want to rinse your hands off and take the long drive from downtown to Crest Hill to visit our friends at Marishka's, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill, just west of Route 53, 815 723 9371, like we say in the intro every day, family owned and operated at the same location since 1933. Outstanding steaks, burgers. They're famous for their poor boy sandwich, which is just the most amazing thing you'll ever consume. They serve the highest quality steak, seafood, and chops, and numerous homemade items made fresh in house, including their giant onion rings and the football sized double baked potatoes. The Icelandic cod, hand cut on premises, is always delicious. They've got a full carryout menu, a great bar, loaded with all the craft beer you'd ever want. They can accommodate banquets for uh, with groups up to 110 people. So visit marishkas.com or check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash marishkas. Open seven days a week and close only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So visit our friends at Marishkas. And when we come back, we will answer your emails on the Blackhawks offseason this is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email segment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with two locations in Burbank, 6501 West 79th Street. That's 79th and Natchez, my friend. And in Darien, 8025 South Cass Avenue, Cass Avenue, just north of I-55. Chuckscafe.com for a list of their specials, their locations, everything you need to know, their menus. They've got the best in barbecue, Mexican, and Cajun fare. My favorites, the Cochinita Pabil, the barbecue nachos, the world's best jambalaya, and the amazing Chicago wings. I just mash it all up into a big bowl and just eat it all at the same time. It's delicious. Uh, their daily specials always incredible, and there is something for everyone at Chuck's. Like I say every week, my mom likes to eat like basically just chicken fingers and mac and cheese every meal of her life. She loves going to Chuck's. They've got something for everyone, whether you have a very advanced palate or you're a basic biatch. Uh, you can go to Chuck's and find what you need. They've got a great bar, uh, dozens of craft beers, ever rotating beer menu, catering, banquets, and more. They've appeared on Chicago's Best and Food Network's Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, so check those out on YouTube. And the Chicago's Best episode also has our friends at Marishka's on the same one. But visit Chuck's Cafe or follow them on Twitter, at Chuck's Cafe. The email segment, my friend, are you ready to go? I think we need to get to Chuck's for a friggin' listener event. That's all I'm saying. It's going to happen. That is my that is my task at hand this week. I will make it happen. I promise you. Good. By the way, you have a hundred dollars coming your way, Woo-hoo! courtesy of Chuck Money! James. Check your check your Google wallet later. Yeah. When I remember to do it. Okay. First email from a Jijin Fatburger. That's how he signs it this week. That guy. He said Fatburger. Yeah. I did not. He said, "I know this is a wrong podcast." He's talking about the I'm Fat podcast <laughs> uh, that <laughs> me and Rick Camp have. That's not real. But it will be. We're going to have our fr- we figured out the content of our first episode is going to be Qdoba versus Chipotle. 
I expect it to be a very, very short podcast because I will st- mud stomp Rick Camp because anyone who says Qdoba is better than Chipotle is an idiot. <laughs> Moving on. Okay, so. Fat Burger says, uh, I had to share my food shame story. I once wanted to get myself and my wife DQ. I had a hankering for a dipped cone, but also a blizzard. So I ordered both and ate the cone on the ride home so my wife wouldn't leave me for being a slob. <laughs> also, my coworkers found out about the podcast and were cry laughing at the name Gingenburger. Gingenburger. I'm glad we could help you there. I have an equally shameful food story. Uh, yesterday, I had the day to myself. For Mother's Day slash Addie's birthday, I got Addie and Hope tickets to go see Aladdin downtown. So they had made a whole day of it. Addie got her hair cut at my... Uh, Cousin Salon, they went to American Girl Store, had a nice dinner, went to the play. So I was alone all day. So I went to Target, and I got those Chips Ahoy Thins. Have you had these? I have not. Oh, my God, my friend. You have to get them. They're amazing. And they're healthy because they're thin. Anyway, I ate a whole row. <laughs> you, know, like it's a, you know what Chips Ahoy are? They're like six rows of five or whatever it is. Yep. So when I got home, I'm like, ah, I don't want to hope to know I ate an entire row of cookies so i like went to other rows and like picked one out from each and then put a couple in the front row so it didn't look like i ate wow. the uh front row yeah yeah this these are fat guy things these are the things we do to hide our shame so you can laugh at us but just know it's it's the struggle is real okay the struggle is real i mean i can't say anything i literally had a lucky charms uh milkshake from burger king three different times last week so I, Damn. Yeah, dude. I, I've been obsessing on that pretty hard. They are pretty good. While you drink the milkshake, do you pick out the pieces that are not marshmallow? It's, yeah. <laughs> you, like, you, it's like, oh, let's see. We have the best elements of a Lucky Charms uh, cereal here. We're going to make it marshmallow flavored. You know what we're going to do? We're going to throw some chunks of cereal in there. Who eats that shit? No one. Yeah, no. Ah. No. It, it, it really, I, I believe they did this too. Didn't they? Lucky Charms is just like, screw it, we're not going to pretend anymore, and just released a box of marshmallows. They did a contest or something where they had limited edition where you would buy a box, and I think if you had all marshmallows, it was like this rare thing. Like, they, they didn't do it with every box. They made you Willy Wonka that stuff. They, like, made you buy umpteen bajillion boxes until you found one that didn't that had only marshmallows in it yeah it would help if the non-marshmallow pieces weren't trash yeah it is true they do taste like crap by the way speaking of cereal we're gonna stay on this topic because cinnamon toast crunch is coming out with donut holes and i am going to eat them and i'm going to love them I saw those, and I'm I'm pursuing them. Yes, I am too. <laughs> and if we get them, we're going to record an entire podcast about how delicious they are. All right. Now Michael Lev wants to move on to stupid hockey talk. Oh, Michael, why do you have to ruin the party, man? <laughs> he says, looking at the coach's situation, referencing, referenced a month ago or so, if a coach goes stale after a while, Trotz has one year left in Washington. If you think Q's time has run its course in Chicago – from the 10-year window talked about. If Washington makes another early exit again, do you see Q being a possibility there? Um, I think, you know, and this is a, this is probably a, a good topic for, like, a whole podcast topic. I wonder that if things get, if they, things look this year like they did last year, right? Whereas a first-round exit, they look horrible in the playoffs, they look exposed in the playoffs. I feel like someone's going to go, someone's going to have to pay that price. And I wonder if it's going to be Quenville or Bowman. I would think it has to be Quenville, honestly. Boy, I feel like, and I don't know if I don't know if you're wrong. I, I just, you know, I think both guys share blame, but I think the fan reaction of firing Quenville would mm. be catastrophic. Well, let me tell you something. If it gets to that point, the fan reaction is the thing they're not to worry the least about because that means the train is headed in the wrong direction, and firing anybody isn't going to save it. It's going to be a painful ride to the bottom if it gets to that point. Yeah. Well, let's hope we don't find out. <laughs> um, as for here, yeah. the question was if Joe Quenville is a free agent, if he'd be a fit. Look, as soon as he's available, he doesn't retire. He'll be hired the next day. I agree. Almost every team in the league would look to bring Joel Quenville in. So finding work will not be a problem. If your question is will team would Team X have interest in Quenville, I think the answer to that is yes with every team except the Maple Leafs. Well, I think, there... the que- I think the question is more about 
fit more so than desire. And I, I think I think you can mold a team. Quenville has shown he can handle star power, and he yes. can get guys to buy in. So, yeah, I think he'd be a fit in Washington. I think that'd be fine. I I think see that that makes to me if I'm a Caps fan that makes all the sense in the world. That's the sort of guy you want because you've had this problem of, you know, finding ways to keep your veterans motivated. They seem to fall apart when the playoffs come. Um, and I'm starting to feel like it's more just fluke than anything. I don't think it's their roster is unable to win in the playoffs. I don't believe it's anything like that. I think hockey is just kind you. of a it's a random sport. You know, it's uh, bounces go your way, bounces don't. I mean, and. Uh, the Hawks have had some good fortune. They've had really great teams, too. And, of course, more often than not, you hope talent, you know, beats out luck. But this is the kind of sport that, that luck plays a role. And I think that the Caps are one of those teams that have, that have had some bad luck go their way. Um, do I feel sorry for them? No. I don't particularly love the Washington Capitals. So, great. I'm happy that they haven't won a cup yet. But uh, I don't think it's anything like a bigger problem like, this core is incapable of a championship. No, I don't believe that at all. And I think they will get one before Alexander Ovechkin is done playing hockey. I can go with that. All right, email here from Mailman Tom from Vegas. Vegas. Uh, kind of long here. Basically, his question is, where should he and his 16-year-old daughter go on the road for a Hawks game? He said he's been Nashville. to... Nashville. Well, he said he's been to L.A., Anaheim, and Phoenix twice. Uh, Denver. Um, he's got some tickets for the games in Vegas, but again, remember his daughter's only 16. So the nightlife thing is not what they're looking for. And he says he understands that Nashville isn't an option because they restrict ticket sales to Hawks fans. Uh, that is technically true, but if you watch a game against the Predators in Nashville, it's almost always full of Hawks fans. You can find Mm -hmm. a way. Um, I don't know how really actually restrictive they are. I think they, they claim to be more restrictive than they are. Like, we're not letting them in. Yeah. And then 60% of the crowd is in red. Um, yeah. So I, I love Nashville. And there is stuff to do in Nashville that is not drinking, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> so you could go there with your daughter. And I think she'd have a really good time. There's great food, great culture. There's good music everywhere. It doesn't necessarily have to be a honky-tonk. And I feel like during the day, you could probably bring a 16-year-old in as long as you're not and don't quote me on that. Don't base a trip on it. <laughs> but uh, I feel like I've seen some young people enjoying music in bars when they're clearly not old enough to drink, as long as they're there with, like, a parental-looking person. Mm. So um, I think they kinda, they're kind of they a little bit lax on that. But don't quote me on that. Uh, Nashville's a great time. That is always the city I recommend to anyone to go check out a road game at. Um, I had a good time in Columbus. Uh, that's got kind of a nice uh, arena district around it. There's stuff to do. Um, some bars, some restaurants, stuff like that. Uh, plus, you've got Ohio State there, so it's a college town, which is always cool. There's always things to see and do there. Um, Tampa's warm. Where else have I been that's cool? Uh, Toronto is great. If you can get a game in Toronto or Montreal, has always been recommended to me. Some of those hockey hotbeds um, are always great places to go and see a game. So there's a couple of my recommend recommendations. What do you have, James? Whatever, whatever you do, do not go to Winnipeg under any circumstances. No, why would you? Yeah, like, literally, you go there in October, and it's still 20 degrees. Like, why would you do that to yourself? Um, I, I would go with Nashville. I think that's a good idea. Columbus, I've always had a really good time when I've gone out there. Um, did he mention San Jose, by chance? No. I feel like that arena is one that I absolutely have to get to. The Shark Tank looks bonkers and i really want to check it out and it's really it's it's reasonably close to san francisco too so you could just make a day of it yeah i would recommend that all right email here from signed john josh hello john josh he said uh so it was either on the podcast or one of you guys twitter that critiques sam bowen's ability to negotiate trades this was based on that would be on the podcast yes (laughs) this was based on how bowman handled tvr and kruger I find that hard to believe, though. We've seen Bowman pull off some great trades in the past, bowling for a third-round pick, Shaw for two second-round picks, and Darling for a third-round pick, and some others. So my question is, do you think Bowman? Do you think that it's Bowman's trade negotiating that's the issue, or could it be that Vegas wasn't all that interested in a fair bargain with the cap-strangled Hawks? Um, I think my bigger issue with him has been his contracts, is giving yeah, the extra yeah. 500000 extra million here or there, 
and throwing the no movement clause into it too. Right, and like we mentioned with Richard Panic, where he said, "Well, I went to negotiate, and there was no negotiation. They gave me a deal I was happy with right away." That probably shouldn't be the case, especially with a guy like Richard Panic. If you're going to especially with the cap situation that you're in, right? If you're going to do that, where you're like, "Look, let's just get this done. This is what you deserve." That's reserved for Taves and Kane and Keith and guys like that. I don't think Richard Panic falls into the automatic contract deal. Um, so yeah. that was sort of my bigger criticism with him. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I I still think that the way the trades ended up shaking out with TBR and Kruger, I still think they could have handled that differently. I, I still feel like you could have involved another team. It feels like they felt like they were in a, between a rock and a hard place with Vegas, and they were so focused on getting rid of the cap it for Kruger that they didn't realize that they could have maybe gotten an asset for either him or TBR instead. I Yeah, I, we, we did discuss that, and I kind of agree with it. But, I, again, I don't think it's fatal, and I know there's a lot there's a lot of moving parts in these deals, uh, especially when you're seeing, like, a cap relief sort of a thing. So, um, you know, I, I think the Hawks could not possibly um, head into next season with Marcus Kruger on the roster. So maybe they just said, look, we know we have this deal done. We're not going to mess around. We're not going to piss them off. Let's just do it and swallow hard and, and figure it out here because um, we know it's assured. We've already got kind of a handshake agreement, so let's respect that. There is value to that. There is value to doing business the right yeah. way, So, um, and that's something the Hawks kind of always do. They've got a good reputation around the league for not, uh, you know, they negotiate in good faith, I guess you would say. So, And that goes a long way. When you're trying to make a deal, a guy's going to pick up a phone sooner for you. Or they're not going to battle you so hard on something. Um, so those things matter. I know it's hard for fans to quantify. And I know it can be frustrating at the time when you look at it. And I know I was fired up about it last week too. But when you take a step back and kind of look at it long view, you can kind of – I'm not saying he's absolutely right to do it that way. I'm saying there's probably something we're not considering with this stuff. And, I, and that's sort of what I figured out was, look, they don't want to risk it. They don't want to have the chance of not moving him at all and then being totally screwed. So – um, I think there's value in the in the assuredness of that deal. And to bring it back full circle between the contract and trade elements of this, the reason it was so difficult to trade Marcus Kruger was because he got too much money in his contract. So, there, Correct. there you go. And that's why they were stuck having to take in the moon uh, to move him. Yep. Our last email of the show comes from Jacob. He says, if you could recommend a rule to be a point of emphasis for officials next year, or essentially what existing rule would you like to see called more regularly? Regularly. Um, I don't know if there's any rules not being called. What bothers me is uh, I hate the offside review. I just hate it. Just let the play happen on the ice. If the ref blows it, he misses it. I'm not big on this, like, let's be perfect all the time thing. I feel the same way in baseball, reviewing if a guy is safe or not, like, by an inch. Coming off the base, yeah. Yeah, I like the human element, and I think offsides is a perfect example of that. Now I get, like, did that goal go in or not? Of course, review that. Of course, if you can, review it. Was that home run fair or foul? Review it, by all means. But when it comes down to, like, a tic-tac, you know, blink of an eye, kind of a judgment call by a referee or an umpire, I say leave those things in there. I think, you know, it's, it's how I feel. So I would like to see the offsides rule go away completely. Unless there's an egregious blown call where a guy's like two feet off sides, fine. But this frame by frame was the edge of the puck over the line. But ugh, it's so dumb. And it's so it slows the game down so much. And it doesn't normally make a difference in a goal anyway, right? If a guy's skate blade is an inch over the line before the puck, that's not a super unfair advantage for the team on the attack. It's but a he's offside. Well, yeah, he's, he is, o- he's but- offside. Like that. What? What else do you want them to say? If you're offside, you're offside. But, the play's but, dead. But make the call in real time. Don't go back after a play's been made, and review it and say, "Nope, he was offside by a by an eyelash. His foot was over the line before the puck was. So we're taking this goal away." That's I'm like saying-, saying we need to get rid of the internet because newspapers have been working just fine for forty years. Like I. What? I hate the mentality of we've always done it this way. Let's keep the human element. You know what? Screw the human element. The human element has cost guys perfect games. The human element has allowed teams to win games that they shouldn't have. Give me all the technology, man. The only thing I ask is that you 
figure out a way to consistently call the stupid rule so that you don't have blatantly offside plays getting called goals and vice versa. Like, I love the idea. The execution has been crap, and they need to work on it. But give me a review on it. It's fine. I think that, you know what? Sports needs that technology. You want the calls to be right. You want the games decided by fair play and correct calls and not blown calls. Because all anybody's going to talk about is that blown call. No one's going to talk about the calls that were right, and that's what you want. You want the calls to be correct. You do not want a blown call deciding anything. Well, then I want offsides adjusted then. If you're going to die on that hill, then I want offsides adjusted to where if the toe of a guy's skate is uh, is an inch over before the edge of the puck is over, that the play is blown dead. I think that it's dumb. I think it slows the game down. I think it makes literally no difference at the, at the end result of the play at all. Yes, of course, offsides should be called. And like you said, if it's egregious, call it. Of course. but I, I, think the, I think the thing we need to keep coming back to is the phrase conclusive evidence. I have seen goals overturned where that was not the case at all. So I, I think that you institute a limit on how long a play can be reviewed because if you can't get it right after 90 seconds, guess what? It's inconclusive. You can't do it. Well, that's, so, yeah, it's totally true. Insti- institute a time limit and emphasize conclusive evidence. What you're saying with the inch off and whatever, that is very rarely conclusive. So I think that we, I think we agree more than we disagree on this, but I just, I think they need to emphasize that. And I think that there needs to be a time limit on reviews. Well, and I think in the same spirit of what you're saying, then, the broadcasts need to be equipped with the same angles they're reviewing in Toronto. 100% agree. And that's in every sport. Well, you know, they're looking at angles we don't have. Why? Why don't we have them? Somewhere, that angle is being sent back to Toronto, right? Or to New yep. York in the case of baseball. It Fine. There's got to be a way then that those same angles can be sent to the broadcast crew and we can look at the same things they are because that's where – as a fan, you get really frustrated where it's like, okay, they reviewed this, and I'm still unsatisfied with the call, and apparently they've seen stuff that I haven't. Well, why can't I see that? You know, and I do you like the fact that the NHL has been proactive, like, here, and they'll tweet out a reason, like, in the incident in Chicago versus Boston, the play was blah, 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 and this is rule, blah, 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 and this is why. Fine. But I want to see it, and I want to see it in real time. And at the end of the day, for a ho- hockey fan that has a call go against them, a tweet from the NHL is not going to make them feel better. They want to see conclusive evidence that the call was made correctly. And if they are getting looks at different stuff than the fans are, they need to, and they don't have the ability for whatever reason, which I can't imagine what it would be. But if that's the case, they need to send out the evidence they used to overturn the call or confirm the call with an explanation with that video saying here is exactly what we saw and what we decided and that's the end of it they need to be as transparent as they can are you as surprised as i am they haven't come up with some kind of technology yet where they put a chip in the puck um yes kind of and i wonder i think the problem might be the accuracy of it because you have to assume the puck's going to be um, like the chip would be in the middle of the puck, right? And then right. you'd have the lasers. I'm using the Dr. Evil air quote lasers <laughs> on the goal line. But the problem is the puck has to be totally over. So yeah. how does that technology work? See, that's, I mean, I'm sure they're working on it. I'm sure they're considering yeah. it. And I think that'd be a great, and it'd be cool. Like if once the puck is in, it triggers the goal light. Yep, you know that was what I. That's exactly exactly what I had in mind. Yeah, and then you would know for sure. Uh, I think that'd be cool, but uh, I, I it's coming. I think they just probably need to find a way to make it work perfectly. Maybe the the simple answer is you put the chip like along the perimeter. I don't know. Like, how would you do it? Like you'd have to have the chip like along the perimeter of the puck. We're Maybe. starting to wade into areas that we're not yes, experts absolutely in. not. But you have the laser at the back end of the goal line. There's step one. Now you just got to figure out the puck. All right, here. Here's my here's my answer. Uh-oh. There are um, – so, all right, I, I solved it. I hope the NHL is listening. So you, Put a man in the net. No, you have the puck, <laughs> and you have along around the perimeter of the puck, you have like maybe eight chips, okay? And each mark on the puck has like a color on it. So like red – yellow 
purple, green, blah, blah, blah. So when you look at the review. You mean the colors of the rainbow. Yes. So when you look at the review, you can say, all right, like red was the last color to enter the net. So that's the that's the part of the chip that needed to. I don't know. This is really convoluted. And we just lost everyone. So we might as well just wrap up the podcast anyway. No, this is some Illuminati stuff, dude. You're wanting colors of the rainbow. You're trying to push gay rights on us. And you're pushing eight on us, which is the number of legs on an octopus. Sierra Secret Rebels. No, I just figured it out. Sincerely, sincerely, sincerely. Here it is. Here's the answer. Multiple puck, multiple, multiple chips in the puck, right? But it has to be all eight have to be activated for it to be a goal, right? Because that, that would mean whatever you gay loving. Red no, Wings listen. Fan. Then the whole puck is in. <laughs> if if so, as it crosses the laser or the sensor, whatever it is, each like chip is triggered, right? So like, bu- 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 no, bu- I'm triggered. I'm triggered. You're not even listening. This is a good idea, <laughs> and you're missing it. You're missing my good idea, jerk. So if if Aww, all, so if it's all the snowflake offended if all eight <laughs> no you're the snowflake because you're triggered by my education I'm giving you and you're just resorting to name calling so if all eight are activated by the sensor it's a goal boom I figured it out thank you send a check my way all right since James is a jerk who's the winner of the email contest I have a good card for him this week <laughs> well I almost think we have to go with that because that. <laughs> That email spawned probably the weirdest conversation that we're ever going to have on this podcast ever. All right. I was going to go with Gingenburger, but... No, he doesn't win I anything. don't know. Yeah, that... <laughs> that he would, he'd that win it, but then he'd never st- use it, just like the uh, draft tickets. Oh! Womp, womp. <laughs> All right, so, Jacob K., congratulations for your question. Uh, you are the winner of a 1992 Wayne Gretzky Pro Set card. Holy moly. Yeah. How about that? Wow, yeah. All right. Congratulations, and thank you, everybody, for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, which has been brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, with locations in Darien and Burbank. Visit chuckscafe.com. Amherst Cousin Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. We love them. We love you. Thank you for listening. James, have a great week, and I will talk to you next weekend. And I'm coming to Bourbon A soon, so we're going to golf. Yeah. All right, man. I'm excited, man. I'll see you soon. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you in the near future, hopefully with some news for once. Good afternoon. Would you like to try a free sample of our double fudge brownie? Oh, sure. Mmm, that's very good. I'll just take one more, just to be sure. Yep, still very good. Some things never change, like never being able to take just one free sample. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Mmm, is that macadamia nut I taste? Let me take one more. Sir, mmm, yeah. I thought so. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired sports commentator Dick Vitale. Tonight's matchup is me versus an ugly fender bender. If I can eat got a win, it would be a miracle, baby. Um, Mr. Vitale, it wouldn't be a miracle because GEICO gives you a team of experts to help manage your claim. That's going to be a nail-biter. Nope. The GEICO team is there for you 24-7. Now that's a dipsy dude, the guru of a claims team. GEICO is awesome, baby, with a capital A. GEICO. Great service without all the drama.